After a pair of utterly uninspiring performances against the defending champion Lakers, James Harden stunned Rockets fans and the basketball world with a message that all but confirms he's gone. But how did it get to this point? Stay tuned as we'll revisit what led the Rockets to this crossroads, hearing from Harden himself and John Wall, as well as exploring solutions to the dilemma in Clutch City. Ignition sequence start. The reason I'm prepared for this position is because I've been preparing for this all my life. As far as redacted, he's our guy. We still got redacted. Our goal is still to win a championship. T-minus 15 seconds, guidance is internal. Being in a win-now situation, that's great. I'm a win-now coach. Six, five, We're just not good enough. Um, you know, we just, we don't, we don't, uh, obviously chemistry, talent-wise, just everything. And it was clear, um, like I said, these last few games, um, they just, you know, from the, from the beginning of the game, they were just aggressive, uh, vet, veteran team, obviously, uh, championship team, and, um, you know, one of the best teams that we have in this league. Um, you know, I love this city. Um, I literally, you know, have done everything that I can um, you know, I mean, this, this situation is, is, is crazy. You know, it's something that uh, I don't think can be fixed. So, um, yeah, thanks. I don't think it can be fixed. Man. What's up and welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team, every day. Today's episode is brought to you by CBDMD. Look, January is an important month in setting the tone for the entire new year, and in 2021, that has never been more true. Luckily, our good friends over at CBDMD are here to give you the support that you need to conquer your New Year's resolutions and make this year your best one yet. If those resolutions happen to involve fitness, they've got a brand new topical product that'll help you keep moving all year long. CBD Relieve with Lidocaine fuses CBDMD's hybrid broad spectrum formula with fast-acting lidocaine to help provide temporary relief for minor aches and pains. And to make it even easier to get the new year started off right, they're offering all of our listeners 20% off your very next order when you use the promo code MBA at checkout. So once again, that's cbdmd.com, promo code MBA for 20% off your purchase of superior CBD products from CBDMD. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and the founder slash managing editor of ClutchCityControlRoom.com, your home for all things Houston hoops. You can follow me on Twitter at JT Gatlin, the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, as well as the blog at ClutchCityCR. This is such an interesting podcast to do. It really is. Um, I, you know, this was, <laughs> it should have just been a rather uneventful uh, post-game recap of the Rockets' disappointing loss to the Lakers in a pair of back-to-back losses to the Lakers. Um, what's funny is, as I'm recording this, I don't even have the box score open yet. Uh, so the Rockets lost 117-100 because I, I was so preoccupied with what had occurred after the game. Um, James Harden coming out and basically getting as close to a formal trade request as one can without basically walking out with the words trade me painted on his forehead, going so far as to say that this situation is crazy. I don't think it can be fixed. 
saying he has love for this city. It really felt like a goodbye speech. And this was more or less the worst case scenario for the Houston Rockets and how they wanted this situation to play out. Now, there is some good news. There are some silver linings to all of this um, because there's kind of like, there's a grieving process when when a superstar that your team has claimed for the past eight years decides he doesn't want to be a part of the organization anymore when, when you realize that your organization is on the brink of falling back into mediocrity or becoming a lottery team. There's a grieving process involved in that, in coping with realizing that eventually you're going to have to move into a new era and that that era will not be competing for championships, you know, fighting for MVP awards, fighting for accolades, all of that. That that process is going to be rebuilding and finding young new talent and watching the the trials and tribulations of some younger players as they get a grasp on the NBA speed, the speed of the game, all that stuff. But we've kind of already gone through this because this entire past offseason has been James Harden and wanting a trade, wanting to leave Houston. So there's already some of that process has already been started where this isn't a direct shock to the system where we knew going into this season, this was a possibility for James Harden. Now, the Rockets were trying to hang their hat on the idea that, hey, if we get James in here, if we get him suited up, if he plays with this team, This team has a lot of talent on paper. There's a chance to make this fit work if he comes in, gives it a good faith effort, buys into what Steven Silas is trying to do. If the team gels, maybe they pick up some early wins. Maybe they knock off, you know, take out one of the one of the two Lakers games early in the schedule as kind of a litmus test for what this team could be further down the line. And none of that happened, unfortunately. This was about as bad of a start to the season as the Rockets could have had to try and convince James Harden that this team is still worth playing for. And maybe if a few things had broken differently, maybe if they hadn't gotten hit with the COVID protocols at the start of the season uh, and had a full roster of guys to go for opening night, um, they would have started against the uh, against the Oklahoma City Thunder instead of a playoff team in the Portland Trailblazers. Um, they could potentially be somewhere in the realm of like six and three right now instead of uh, three and five going into this second game against the Lakers, now three and six. So... There's a lot of different things that just didn't play into their favor that could have gone a little bit differently, but I think a lot of the, you know, and, and the, the important thing is it's it's not any one person's fault, and I think that's what I'm seeing a lot of floating around is there's people saying, oh, it's it's all James Harden's fault, or oh, it's all Tillman Fertitta's fault, oh, it's all Daryl Morey's fault, oh, it's all, you know, because Chris Paul was washed, oh, it's because Russell Westbrook didn't work out. No. To try and pin the blame for this situation on any one person would be unfair. Now, I do think that at the end of the day, there's kind of a a deciding moment in where this franchise kind of wound or found itself at, at this point in time. And I think that blame does fall squarely on the shoulders of James Harden. And that would be forcing the issue on the Russell Westbrook trade, a trade that pretty much handicap this organization, this franchise's ability to make any sweeping changes to really improve the roster moving forward. It really hamstrung the roster, no pun intended, vis-a-vis Chris Paul, but it really hamstrung the roster from a flexibility standpoint being locked into two 
max level contract guys having very little in in the means of draft capital to trade and improve the team. And Harden wanted that trade. He dealt the team an ultimatum. He said, it's either Chris Paul or me. And so the Rockets were forced to trade Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook. And that kind of started the downfall of this Rockets franchise, unfortunately. Now, there's a lot of other areas to look at. You can go even further back to look at Tillman Fertitta not being willing to pay the luxury tax to continue to keep a championship caliber team around Harden and Chris Paul after being so close in the Western Conference Finals just a year prior. You can point to Russell Westbrook not working out. You you can point to Chris Paul not being in the best of shape his final year in Houston, but then finally deciding to get into shape before being dealt. You can point to this past offseason with all the drama and uncertainty surrounding the team, the fact that James Harden largely hasn't been bought in to what Steven Silas is trying to do, unfortunately. He's showing up, he's being more or less professional, and it looks like he's you know communicating and stuff with the guys on the court, but it also kind of looks like he's playing in neutral most of the time that he's out there on the court. There are so many possessions where he's noticeably passive, where he's passing up shots and just not getting involved on anything offensively. Uh, You know, the defensive issues, I mean, those are kind of things you could point to in previous seasons, sure, but more or less, he's playing in neutral. He hasn't completely mailed it in, but he's definitely not playing like the James Harden that everybody knows that he's capable of playing as. And I think John Wall is noticing it too. John Wall wasn't pulling any punches in his post-game press conference after James Harden dropped his commentary. So let's hear what John Wall had to say. Any day, a lot of guys here is going to compete at a high level. And uh, like I told everybody tonight, I told the guys before, when the 1 through 15 guys all on the same page, they commit, they know their role, they know what they want to do, they know what they want to get out of this, that's the win, you all will be fine. But when you have certain guys in the mix that don't want to buy in all this one, it's going to be hard to do anything special or do anything good as a basketball team. I've been on those teams in my 11 years been in the league. I've been on a team like that my first five years where it was all about me, 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 not about the team. And that hurts. And it brings everybody down. So when we can get all on the same page, we can be something good here. And uh, we can't dwell it down on it because it's only been nine games. Like, come on, man. You want to jump off the cliff off of nine games? There's a lot of basketball still be played. Those were some of John Wall's thoughts not long after James Harden dropped what he had to say about the team and about this situation here in Houston. So coming up, we're going to continue to talk about this. There's really very little to talk about from the actual Lakers game itself. So we're going to talk about this Harden situation, some other elements from it, how this progresses moving forward and what this means for the legacy of James Harden here in Houston. And we'll get there in just one moment after a quick message from our friends over at betonline.ag. NFL playoffs are right around the corner. NBA season is in full swing, and there is only one place that has you covered and one place that we here at Locked On trust, and that is betonline.ag. You can sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use our very own promo code LOCKEDON, that's L-O-C-K-E-D, 
O-N for your 50% welcome bonus with your very first deposit. Look, these NFL playoff games, there's going to be some big ones out there, some great chances to make some money. There's great chances every single night in the NBA to find games to throw some money on. Look, I, I, I mean, I probably wouldn't throw any money on any Rockets games anytime soon, given what's going on with James Harden. But look, don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. And don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your very first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Discussing the, you know, it's so weird. I can't even, like, I'm still a little bit shell-shocked, kind of, because this news really, you you could kind of see it brewing almost, and hindsight being 2020 I threw up a screen cap from the game of Harden and PJ Tucker sitting on the bench with a little just I just said caption this on Twitter because sometimes I look for moments like that throughout the game to just hey throw it out there and just have people let people have fun with it on social media but man looking back at that photo you can really tell you can see that Harden and, and Tucker you know Tucker being one of the you know Harden the the guy that Harden is closest to on this team they're like they're totally brothers right and they they I mean they hang out in the off season like they're they're really close and have grown very close in these last few few seasons together so you can kind of see it you know going back and relooking at that photo you can see that they were talking about something and PJ Tucker frustrated with his contract situation, probably frustrated about, you know, everything that's going on with this team. You know, obviously he's got some uncertainty with his future, but uh, a lot of people have James Harden and PJ Tucker as kind of a lump package deal. Um, if James Harden, not, God, it's so weird saying the word if, when James Harden gets traded, because at this point, it's pretty much a done deal. James Harden is going to get traded, but the Rockets have to get back an adequate package for him. Um, and we'll talk about that because I do have some ideas and we're going to revisit some of those trade Harden, uh, trade James Harden discussions uh, in the third segment. But I think right now there's, there's a bit of a grieving process happening right now. There's some people that are upset at James Harden. There's some people that are relieved that this is finally out in the open, that there's no uh, tiptoeing around it, that there's no more cryptic messages, you know, via you know, social media from Instagram or whatever, uh, trying to decode what's going on with the Houston Rockets, a franchise that often finds itself plagued with with drama. And, you know, it's just, it's a tough situation. I, I'm, I'm kind of somewhere in the middle about it. I'm more sad. It's a strange situation to be in. Because look, even though I host this show, I'm not a I'm not a traditional beat writer for the team. Yes, I cover the team five days a week, but I get the privilege of covering this team and kind of getting to use my journalism background, yes, and my education, but at the same time, I'm still a fan of this team. So one of the unique things is the feelings that you have right now listening to this podcast as a Rockets fan, I'm kind of going through those feelings with you. And I'm trying to put myself in James Harden's shoes. I really am. And it's really hard to be mad at him about this. It's okay to be mad or upset with him about how it's played out and how this end to his career in Houston will look. And it's okay to be upset with him about the logistics of it, the you know reporting to training camp late, the demanding a trade with two years left on his deal, forcing the organization to trade for Russell Westbrook, which 
again, hamstrung the organization moving forward. Then Russ wants out. He wants out a year later. It, it's it's okay to be upset about all of that. But if you really try to separate yourself for a moment and put yourself in James Harden's shoes, he's given this city a lot. Like, he really has. Look, the, the, the Kyle Lowry, Kmart, Louis Scola Rockets were fun at times, but they weren't doing anything. The, the Rockets were running the treadmill of mediocrity. And so then for James Harden to come in here and that very first game on the road against the Pistons to show out the way that he did, to give a glimmer of hope to Houston sports fans everywhere, and then to subsequently put this city back on the map and make them a notable Houston, make them a notable sports city again, he did that. And, you know, he blossomed in front of our very eyes going from a sixth man of the year from Oklahoma City and growing into a perennial MVP caliber player, a top five, top three player in the league even. And I guess this is kind of my ode to James Harden. So... It's painful because this wasn't supposed to how this wasn't supposed to be how it ended with James Harden, right? He wasn't supposed to demand a trade. He wasn't supposed to be disgruntled. He was supposed to have his jersey hung in the rafters right next to Hakeem Olajuwon's as the second greatest rocket to have ever worn red. And that's not how it's going to end. And that's what stings. But at the same time, he brought this city 8 years of excellence, eight years of amazing memories, eight years of some of the greatest, most high caliber basketball that I've ever been privileged to witness. Like, like let's, let's take a stroll, right? Taking two games off of OKC his very first year here, dragging a bruised and beaten Rockets team to the second seed and the Western Conference Finals against the eventual champion Golden State Warriors. Becoming a point guard and leading the league in assists and running the most high-octane offense in the NBA under Mike D'Antoni in his first season in Houston. Then pairing up with Chris Paul a season later, silencing the haters, becoming the number one seed, a franchise-best 65 wins, and then going toe-to-toe with the Golden State Warriors until that fateful injury, just a a, a franchise-defining injury in Chris Paul's hamstring. And then another year after that, dragging the 11-14 Rockets from the bottom of the West back into home court advantage for the playoffs during his unguardable tour. He had so many game winners. The the Phoenix game winner where he dropped P.J. Tucker of all people. The the coast-to-coast layup against the Denver Nuggets. The the double OT game winner in the Bay against the Warriors, the three-pointer. Like, I mean, there are so many amazing, amazing memories that James Harden has given me and, and and given you and given the basketball world. For all the hate that he gets, he is a phenomenal player. And it pains me that this is the way that this is ending, that this is how his chapter in Houston will be closing. But it doesn't take away from all those memories. It really doesn't. It doesn't take away from what was, you know, accomplished during his tenure. And I'm struggling to find the words for it because it's, you know, it's bittersweet is what it is to look back on what could have been and what almost was with James Harden as a Houston Rocket because this situation going into the season, it was a slim chance, but there was still a shred of hope that it was salvageable. 
there was a slim chance that, again, if if they played their cards right, if they did the right things, and if they got off to a decent start, that a committed, bought-in James Harden might, could maybe have his mind changed, at least for this season, and then you get like one last rodeo with James Harden. You get one last shot at playoff contention. You get one last shot with with Christian Wood and John Wall and company alongside James Harden. And if it doesn't work out, you revisit this entire situation next offseason. But that has been taken. And for for what it's worth, again, that is is a bit of solace for some people to not have this lingering cloud of, you know, is he bought in? Is he not? Is he committed? Does he want out? You know, trying to figure out, trying to read the tea leaves and figure out what's going on with James Harden. All of that's in the past. He wants out. He has made that abundantly clear. He's given up on this roster, unfortunately. And now it's all about Rafael Stone and the ownership finding an appropriate trade package to make sure that this organization is set up for the foreseeable future. Because I think, and it's uh, it's fitting that a an institution as notable as Clutch Fans, Dave Hardesty, would, would put it so eloquently that a James Harden trade isn't the end of the world. And I feel like that's very important. A bad James Harden trade is the end of the world. Because this trade can either make or break this organization for the better part of the next decade. If they play their cards right, this organization can be set up for success within the next two to three years even, right? But if they don't play their cards right, if they trade James Harden and they get back a poo-poo platter, something along the lines of what the Nets offer originally was then this organization is going to be stuck in quite murky territory for the foreseeable future due to a lack of future draft assets, courtesy of James Harden and forcing the Russell Westbrook trade, as well as a variety of other factors. So it's important to find the right suitor for James Harden to make this thing happen, although Harden, with his little speech at the podium after that second loss against the Lakers, going into a a 3-6 and hole with this roster has kind of uh, accelerated the situation. And he hasn't done himself any favors as far as his trade value with how he's played since coming back from that ankle injury. So coming up, I want to explore a few possible trade avenues, some interesting ones, and a potential repairing of some teammates here in Houston. So we'll get there in just one second after a quick message from our friends over at Built Bar. Let's talk protein bars for a second. You know, you've either had a protein bar before and you've thought, ah, oh, this is a, you know, kind of a chore to eat. And they're not like that with Built Bar, right? With Built Bar, it's basically a candy bar that's jam-packed with protein. Look, these bars, they're soft, they're easy to chew, they're 100% covered in delicious chocolate, and they come in so many amazing flavors, right? You just can't go wrong with any of them. My favorite, the double chocolate. You've also got salted caramel, banana bread, cookies and cream, caramel brownie. I mean, just down the list, 18 awesome flavors. Pick any one of them, you're not going to be disappointed. They're also, look, these bars, they're low-cal, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing for a keto diet. Each bar has anywhere from 17 to 20 grams of protein in every single one, and you can check them out. Just go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your very next order. So again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I, I 
I almost, and again, I'm coming back to the Lakers box score again, 117-100. There's almost nothing of note for me to even discuss from this game. I mean, DeMarcus Cousins looked kind of good. Eric Gordon looked all right. 13 points, 5 of 10 shooting. The Lakers were dominant as per freaking usual. LeBron James, 26 points. Anthony Davis, 19 points. Only missed one shot. Only took eight shots, but hit everything. Um, I mean... LeBron was in his bag facilitating, uh, you know, had five assists. On the there's there's really not much to talk about from the actual game. It was a swift and thorough bludgeoning of the Rockets basically from the tip. And again, from the tip to the end, pause, shout out Clint Capella. Sorry, couldn't pass up that opportunity. But legitimately, it's hard to even want to discuss the game because there wasn't anything to really take from it other than we just watched a Rockets team go out there and play some of the most uninspired, unmotivated basketball I'd ever seen. And then seeing that be followed up by James Harden's speech kind of made everything make sense as to why they're playing as poorly as they've been playing, why he's been as bad as he's looked, you know, as passive, as unmotivated as he's looked these past few games, which again, isn't fair to Steven Silas. And I think he's the guy out of everything going on Steven Silas is the guy that I feel the worst for out of everything. Not even Rafael Stone, because Rafael Stone, you know, gets to be the general manager of a team now. Yes, Daryl Morey walked out, and Rafael Stone was kind of handed a uh, a a, uh, a cluster of a situation to deal with. Yes, but he's a general manager. He gets to kind of sit behind the scenes, you know, in his office and and just kind of pull the strings. And uh, hey, hopefully he pulls the right strings and things work out. But Steven Silas just became a head coach for the first time after working his ass off for his career to get to this point, finally gets the chance to be a head coach, and he is thrust into a an utterly shit situation. Excuse my language, I try not to curse on this podcast, but and then has to deal with, you know, his two superstars wanting out, has to deal with James Harden and the uncertainty regarding him, then he's late for training camp, he can't get his guys, you know, together on the same page, motivated, then he gets hit with the COVID protocol situation, he loses half of his roster, starts the season 0-2, finally they bounce back, they get a couple wins against the Kings, things are looking a little bit up, then they, I mean, it's just, it's all over the place for him. And you can see it for a guy who is so passionate about the game of basketball. Every time you see him talk, I mean, you know, he he's just, he loves the game. He really does. You could see it before the season even started during his during his, his press conference interviews. When you'd ask him a question about basketball, he would light up like Christmas. And then he gives such detailed, eloquent answers about the game of basketball. You can tell he's such a genius basketball mind. And then he would get pegged with a question about, well, what's James Harden think about all this? And then he'd just be like, well, and you could see the lights just turn off where he would just become dejected almost and have to be like, well, you're going to have to ask James Harden about that because he's not here. And so for him to be, you know, thrust into this situation, I just really, really feel for the guy. But look, this is something that we knew was a possibility. And I think that's where, you know, originally when all of this first surfaced, there was a lot going on and a lot to process. And I've kind of already done my processing because again, at the end of the day, trading James Harden is not the end of the world. As long as you get back an appropriate package. So that's what the Rockets have to do now. Now, it's very important, are they going to, there's a very po distinct possibility that they may sideline James Harden. I mean, 
you know, they could sign lie to him. They could fine him for what he said. I mean, there's there's just a lot going on. And with a primetime matchup, 6.30 p.m. Central tip-off against the Spurs as their very next game on Thursday night, maybe we'll see something like a DNP ankle sore for James Harden or something like that. DNP backspat. I mean, just, you know, some type of a fake injury to keep him off the floor until they're able to find a potential trade suitor because at the end of the day, the market hasn't shifted that much for James Harden. Like, you know, there's all, all the trades that were still pretty much there in December are more or less probably still here uh, just a short while later. I mean, and we can go and look at the standings. Now, there's a couple of exceptions there, like just going down the standings. I mean, the Nuggets are off to, a you know, a really you know, frustrating start. They're just five and six. Um, the Toronto Raptors are just abysmal right now at two and eight. Um, so, and then my, the Miami Heat are four and five. So it's not like any of those teams are, are you know, really holding it down um, and would be, you know, would look at a James Harden trade and say, no, nah, we're good. I mean, those teams could look at that trade and think, yeah, if we pull James Harden in here for the right deal, then that could, you know, really save our, our early season struggles. Now, then you look at the Philadelphia 76ers with the potential Ben Simmons deal, and the Sixers are actually kind of holding it down at the top of the Eastern Conference with an 8-4 and four record. So that, coupled with what Daryl Morey said about the fact that they're not trading Ben Simmons, it's very possible that the Ben Simmons deal is, you know, even if it was never necessarily on the table, a lot of people were speculating that, that it was on the table, myself included. The 76ers just didn't want to give up a King's ransom for James Harden. I think they're willing to ride out this season and just see how things go with with Simmons and Embiid. So that one's probably off the table. But those other teams, the ones that are struggling right now, the ones that, you know, a James Harden trade could potentially save that franchise, those are some interesting opportunities. The Celtics are another one where, hey, even though they're at the top of the Eastern Conference, if you're talking about a a Jalen Brown for James Harden switcheroo, where it's basically Jalen Brown plus assets for James Harden, that's a trade that if you're the Celtics, you've got to at least heavily consider that because Harden and Tatum make you immediate favorites in the Eastern Conference, you know, over pretty much everybody. Uh, because again, the, the Nets have, you know, started kind of plummeting a little bit. They're six and six. More or less, the East is kind of open for the taking right now. Even the Bucks don't look dominant out East. Really, the only team in the league that looks totally dominant is, again, the LA Lakers. They're the deepest team in the league. They've got the, they're the only team in the league with two top five players in LeBron and AD. So there's a lot going on. Now, you've also got Kyrie Irving, who's kind of upset about things going on in Brooklyn and is unhappy. So that kind of opens up the, the, the door for some potential three-team trade scenarios. And that's where I think we're going to have a lot more interesting possibilities, interesting pathways, avenues for how to resolve this James Harden situation because it's not necessarily a one-for-one deal where it's just Team A, Team B, and you have to facilitate a a James Harden trade through just those two teams. You can start opening the doors to some potential three and maybe even some four-team deals to try and get something done. There's a, po- there's a possibility in there where you could deal James Harden to the Brooklyn Nets, send Kyrie Irving to a third team, and then send some parts of the original Nets poo-poo platter offer, Karis LeVert, Jared Allen maybe, um, to Houston, as well as some assets from the third team that's getting Kyrie Irving. 
maybe the Miami Heat would want to get involved. And then you get a package that's centered around Tyler Harrow and Karis LeVert and Jarrett Allen, a really like a youthful injection of talent into a team that is definitely going to be going into rebuild mode if they deal James Harden. That's a possibility. There's another possibility where, hey, maybe with the struggles that the Wizards are facing right now, maybe the Wizards would be open to dealing Bradley Beal, but not for James Harden. Maybe you send James Harden down to Miami, send Tyler Harrow up to Washington, and then you reunite John Wall and Bradley Beal here in Houston. Bradley Beal and John Wall didn't have any issues. They're, they're, they're pretty much brothers. But given the situation with uh, with Wall's contract and with the fact that you know nobody knew how he was going to look when he came back, there was a, a lot of legitimate concern there. So the Wizards decided to hedge their bets and decided to see, you know what? We know what Russ is capable of. So we're going to trade Russ or we're going to trade Wall in a pick for Russ because we know that Russ is at least healthy. And now, unfortunately, Russ is having a, a really down start to the season and it has his own injury issues that he's dealing with. And John Wall looks healthy and, and rearing to go to, to be back on an NBA court after two plus years of rehabbing his ACL. So, you know, there's there's avenues and possibilities to resolve this James Harden situation. It's unfortunate that it has played out the way that it has to this point. And again, I'm not going to look back on any of those memories that James Harden has given me or you or the Rockets franchise, this fandom with negativity. I'll look back and there again, they'll be bittersweet. And I think that's probably the best way to describe them at this point, but I'm not angry at James Harden. I'm not, you know, I'm probably disappointed if anything, because again, I do think that, had he given it more of what looked like a good faith effort to make things work with Steven Silas, then this team did have a chance to do something special. But at the same time, this team does have shortcomings. They're lacking in shooting. Um, I, some of the lineups that they've been throwing out have been a little questionable. And that's, that's also on Silas. He's a rookie head coach. He's still trying to figure things out. But if a few things had broken a little bit differently, this team could easily have been 6-3 and three at this point instead of 3-6. and six. And maybe James Harden doesn't have this storm off speech and maybe he would have been a little bit more bought in. But unfortunately, that's not the cards this franchise was dealt. So now they have to regroup. Rafael Stone and ownership have a lot to figure out, a lot of phone calls to make about trying to figure out where to send James Harden. And we're going to have you covered for all of that and more. But for today's episode, that's going to do it. So as always, thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.